whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Pennington here. Um, trying something a little bit new is actually nighttime for me. I almost always uh, record in the morning, but just because of a schedule that's upcoming, school starting tomorrow and that schedule starting, um, I'm going to try to post at night now instead of in the morning. And we'll see how that goes. Uh, it's a little, a little off-putting. I don't know if I'll look so pretty on the camera for those of you on YouTube because I've walked in the August heat today, so my makeup is a little bit faded. My eyes are even all kind of a little blurry. I don't know what was happening. The sun got into it. Maybe it's allergies. I don't know. But um, I was just excited about something I read this. Oh, I'm dropping my microphone. I was excited about something I read this morning, and I wanted to talk about it. And uh, I don't know if this will seem sort of deja vu for those of you. That's kind of what I want to talk about, deja vu. You know that thing where, like, I believe it's from the French of already seen or already dreamed. That idea where I think I've been here before. And sometimes people like over-spiritualize it. Like sometimes other religions are like, have I been here in a past life? Am I reliving this? Sometimes people feel like it's exactly, I just feel like I've been in this exact place, in this exact location, saying this exact thing with these exact people. And I'm, I'm not really talking about that kind of deja vu. I don't want to overthink it. I mean that thing where you're like, this is really similar. I've seen this before. I've heard this before. Hmm. So for those of you who have listened, every single thing I've ever said, and I talk a lot, so there's probably not a lot of you, and you feel like, have I heard this recently? It's probably because you have, because <laughs> it's a similar topic. And my view of deja vu, have I heard this before? Sometimes it feels like you've seen or heard things before because quite often history repeats itself. You know, we come back to the same place. We come back to the same conversations. Anybody have ever had the same argument with your kids over and over and over again? Or your, heaven forbid, your spouse over and over and over again? Or your parents over and over and over again? Anybody ever had the same issues in school? Everybody come back, anybody ever come back to the same difficulties? Uh, I still struggle with eating right, I still struggle with exercise, I still struggle with control freakness, ever come back to the same victories, we tend to repeat ourselves. Or we tend to come back to the same kinds of things. Maybe we'll treat them differently. Sometimes um, I love that when God brings us full circle and we're in a place and then we come back to it and we stand in that place 20, 30 years later, and you're like, oh my goodness, look at how much I've grown. And that can be a deja vu. Um, when I go back to Pittsburgh, which is where I graduated from high school, I feel different things. Some things look familiar, some things look foreign, and it's like, I have been here before. And there are some similar things, but I'm different, you know? I love that. I love that deja vu where you know it's kind of like I've been through this before. But at its best, we see this growth and we see it's like we may see a history of this horrible thing happened or this horrible challenge happened and then it can move us towards the future because uh, it's been said by I don't even know who said it first but lots of people 
that if we don't learn from history, we repeat it. You know, if we don't learn from our mistakes, we just keep making the same mistakes over again. Thank goodness that we have a gracious God. But there's a place, or a sort of about around similar place in Scripture that just keeps coming up over and over and over and over again. And there are two names for it. And it's really not the same exact place, but it's the same approximate place. And that um, is what was referred to in Genesis as Mount Moriah. And people also call it Mount Zion. Now in Genesis, Mount Moriah was where God had called Abraham to take his only son. And he really, really, I think it was Genesis 22.1, really drove the nail in there. Uh, Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, up and sacrifice him. <laughs> and he said, go to the region of Mount of, of Moriah. So we call it Mount Moriah, but it was really a mountain in Moriah. Uh, so a mountain of Moriah. It could have been one of many. And we know that Abraham was, you know, close to 100 years old when he had Isaac. He had had, sort of illegitimately had Ishmael years earlier, but he'd been, you know, sent away. So this was the only, this is all he had left. And God's like, let's see how much you love me and go up. And so he went up on Mount Moriah and Isaac was headed for sudden death because God said so. And it says in Genesis 22, 10 to 12, Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. But the Lord's messenger called to Abraham from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham said, here I am. And the messenger said, don't stretch out your hand against the young man and don't do anything to him. Now, we're, it says messenger that the Hebrew word for messenger is angel. And the Greek word for messenger is angel. <laughs> Same word. So God sent his angel with a messenger and said, don't. So we have this picture of somebody with his hand raised and the son who he loves so much headed for certain death because God has all rights over life and death. We don't. God does. And God stopped him, sent an angel and stopped him. So there's this picture on this mountain in this area of Moriah. And there being a salvation from sudden death. A salvation from the sacrifice. There was still a sacrifice. Abraham got a, a goat and he sacrificed the goat. I couldn't remember whether it was goat or lamb in its place. So there was a sacrifice, but his son was saved from death. So... Hundreds of years later, I always counted. I think it's around 700. I might be off on that. David, King David, who was a good king, also, he did everything wholeheartedly, even his, even his screw-ups, <laughs> even his mess-ups, and he messed up big. He tried to do a census of the army, which was a big no-no, and even his commander told him this is a big no-no because God didn't want him to be reliant on the size of his army. God wanted to, him to be reliant on the size of his God, so it was an act of disobedience and really a faithlessness. And so, um, that was a bad, that was a bad day. Um, <laughs> and so the prophet Gad said to David, you know, you really messed up. And God said, you have a choice through, through the prophet Gad he said, you have a choice as the punishment on all of Israel for what you, the King have done. Either you can go through three years of famine you can go through three months of running from your enemies, or you can go three days of the sword of the Lord. And David said, I'd rather um, bow to the sword of the Lord. I'd rather be at the hands of God than at people who don't worship God. So God sent his angel 
his messenger of death, 70,000 people died within three days. And then he goes back up to this mountain. And this is the area of Moriah, one of the mountains of Moriah. And he says, God sent a messenger to Jerusalem to destroy it. But just as the messenger was about to destroy it, just as he was just outside the city, the Lord looked down and changed his mind about the destruction. This is First Chronicles 21.15. He said to the messenger who was destroying it, That's enough. Withdraw your hand. At the, time, at the time, the Lord's messenger was standing on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. Now, this area that had been of Moriah is now the area of Jebus, the Jebusites. So first, Abraham is, I'm going to say a little bit outside of the town because he went up on a mountain that was, you know, there weren't houses on it or anything. It was just this mountain where he, and so a mountain in the area of Moriah that's just outside of, that's outside of town and goes to sacrifice his son and as his hand is raised, he's about to do it and God stops him through an angel. Then the second time, 700, 700 years later, there's this mountain in the area of Moriah, just outside of the town, now established town of Jerusalem, where God's sending an angel on his way to kill a whole bunch, like the entire town. He'd already killed 70,000, so um, 70,000 in the whole area, and 70,000 in Israel, and now he's going to take the whole town of Jerusalem. And as he's on this mountain, again, just outside, um, in the area of Moriah, a mountain of Moriah, the angel raises his hand. Same thing. Deja vu. Wait, we've we've been here before. <laughs> we've been here before. Somebody's headed towards certain death and God at the last minute says no. Um, first time, it was to test faithfulness. The second time, it was because of unfaithfulness. No. And again, a sacrifice was made, but that sacrifice was an animal instead of a human being. Uh, deja vu. This is one more time. Second Chronicles 3. This could have been 20 years later, 30 years later. It doesn't really say when Dave messed, David messed up. But we're sort of at the beginning of Solomon's reign. Uh, David knew that this, this mountain on Moriah, this area of the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite, was supposed to be used for sacrifice. So he paid top dollar for it. He offered that sacrifice. He owned it now. And he spent a lot of years, decades, saving up money, saving up treasure, and preparing this to be the place where the temple was built. And in 2 Chronicles 3.1, we look at David's son. Solomon began to build the Lord's temple in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. Now they haven't called it the mountain in Moriah. Now they're calling it Mount Moriah. Where the Lord had appeared to his father David. At the place David had prepared at the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. Now, I don't know if at this point Jerusalem had gotten bigger and so what was just outside of Jerusalem is now part of inside the city gates. I'm guessing the gates did that. Um, never been there. But um, so in the same area on a mountain of Moriah, in this very area, the temple was built as a place of sacrifice so that people could be saved. You know, sacrifice means putting an animal. When you sacrifice for sins, that animal is taking your place. So the animal would take the place of the person who should have died. On the same place where the angel was kept from killing people and an animal was put in its place. On the same area where 700 years before, Abraham at the last minute was kept from killing Isaac and an animal was put in his place. 
So there's one more. Talk about deja vu. Talk about coming back to the same place over and over and over again. Now this would have to be a different mountain, but it's a very close by mountain. A mountain in the area of Moriah, just outside the city of Jerusalem. Wouldn't have been the same mountain that the temple was built on because the temple was there. <laughs> so, but there's this mountain just outside where someone walked up the hill, put a stake in, stake was put in the ground, crossbeam was put up. He couldn't carry his own crossbeam because he'd just been beaten within an inch of his life, probably within a millimeter of his life. He could barely walk, let alone carry his cross. And that place was known for death. It was called this case, the place of the skull. It was in a prominent hilly area. And we know that because we know that the religious leaders were very upset that the citizens of Jerusalem could see what was written on the cross, which is where Pilate put king of the Jews. He did not like that. <laughs> so the same mountain, for a third time that we know of is a similar mountain, a human being is about to die because of sin, not his. See, with David, a city was supposed, was supposed to die because of the sin of one man. In Jesus' case, one man needed to die because of the sins of the city and everywhere else. Only this time, God didn't stop it. This time, the sacrifice was human. God didn't stop the sacrifice of Jesus, but Jesus' death and resurrection stopped the need for any other sacrifice from that point forward. That's a great legacy, isn't it? It's a great legacy. We know from John 19, 17, that it was called Golgotha. We know from 1920, John 1920, that it was near the city. And so we come back to that same hill over and over again. First, because God asks us for everything, but then doesn't even make us, allows us to keep some of it. First, because, second, because we, like David, make mistakes that cost others dearly. We sin in ways that cost others dearly, and then God in his grace, while others may hurt, doesn't kill them over it. He has mercy on that. And then, because of this place, as we come to him on our own to worship and to sacrifice our sacrifice of praise in a way that gives life, we sacrifice in a way that gives life. And then finally, to remember the work of Christ so that death doesn't get to win. Hallelujah. It just makes me think. This hill is important, or this series of hills, these hills on Moriah, are so important as a monument of God's grace and these prominent places. But there are other places in our lives that are a monument of grace. I can't tell you where they are. Is there a church that you started going to when you did not like God there? <laughs> but then you came back to it, and that's the place you met the Lord, you know. Is there a problem that seemed completely insurmountable, but then God redeemed it? 
What is it in your life that God keeps bringing you back to?